ex pacificus magnificatus est, cuius vultum desiderat universa terra. The king of peace is magnified, whose countenance the whole earth desireth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We sang these words at the first Vespers of Christmas. The King of Peace is magnified. A curious expression. When something is magnified, it becomes more visible. And so the Church, in celebrating and in singing of the mystery of the Incarnation, considers God made visible. And the antiphon goes on to say, whose face, whose countenance, the whole earth desireth. We sing in the Litany of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Heart of Jesus, desire of the everlasting hills. The whole earth is strangely and wonderfully moved by this desire to gaze upon the face of God. And in these Sundays after Epiphany, this magnification of the face of God continues. We had, of course, the adoration of the Magi. We had the child, Jesus, the King of Love, enthroned, really, on his mother's lap, and thus presented <coughs> the adoration of the Magi, who looked upon his face. What must have been their contemplation of the face of God? When St. Bernadette was queried after the apparitions of the Immaculate Mother of God to her at Lourdes, she could only answer, Je la regardais tant que je pouvais, which I suppose translates as, I looked at her as much as I could. It's a beautiful thing. It's the secret of all prayer. To look upon the face of God as much as we can, to though it be impossible, get our fill of the sight of his face. And so after giving us the adoration of the Magi, the Church gave us an icon, a portrait of the Bridegroom Christ, who at the wedding feast of Cana changes water into wine, a figure of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. And then, on the third Sunday, Christ, the Divine Physician, came into focus. And we contemplated his face. We looked at him in his exchange with the leper. We listened to the exchange. And with the leper made clean, we adored him. 
And then Christ the physician healed the centurion's son in answer to his heartfelt prayer, the prayer that the church makes her own in every holy mass, not once, but six times, three times on the part of the priest, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant, the centurion praying for his servant, and my servant shall be healed. Domine non sum dignus, ut intre sub tectum meum, says the Church before Holy Communion, sit tantum dic verbo, et sanabitur anima mea, and my soul shall be healed. And after giving us this icon of Christ the physician, in two panels, today we come to yet another portrait of the face of God, that face that the whole world desires to see. Jesus quieting the winds and the sea. And his disciples came to him and awaked him, for he was asleep in the boat, saying, this prayer, Domine, salva nos, perimus, Lord, save us, we perish, or if you will, we're going down. I've often called your attention, sons, to the Benedictus and Magnificat Antiphons on Sunday. This because the Mass and the Divine Office are not only our prayer, our highest prayer, Pius X called it the primary and indispensable expression of prayer, but also the sacred liturgy in all its elements is a school of prayer. Not only do we pray in the liturgy, but we pray by the liturgy. The liturgy teaches us how to pray. And I'm struck that in today's divine office, we are given twice this prayer, this cry from the heart of the apostles. Lord, save us, we perish. Lord, save us, we are going down. And Jesus said to them with a loving reproach, with a mixture of gentleness and stern rebuke. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And then St. Matthew uses a very important word, a word charged with theological meaning. He says, Tunk, and then surgens, rising up. There you have it. Rising up, he commanded the winds and the sea, and there came a great calm. Now, the little word surgens, 
is one of those words in the New Testament that is, as I said, charged with theological meaning. And when we encounter it in the sacred text, it glows. It attracts our attention. Why does St. Matthew give this detail? Could he not have skipped over that and gotten right to the command of Jesus, who calmed the winds and the sea? But no, St. Matthew insists on this little phrase, tunc surgens, then rising up. The expression, of course, is familiar to us from the Psalms. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let those who hate him flee from before his face. And how many times in the Psalms do we cry out, Rise up, O God! You see, this rising up is an epiphany. This rising up is an expression of our Lord's divinity. And so the portrait given us today of the countenance that the whole world desires to see is the portrait of the God-man. The little expression rising up means manifesting his divinity, manifesting the power of his divinity. And what response can we make to this manifestation of the divinity of Christ, if not adoration? Could the apostles in that moment have responded in any other way? And so you see how fitting it is that on the threshold of today's Mass, the first two words in the intro it were, adorate deum. We know, of course, that the intro, it is that chant sung on the threshold of the Holy Mysteries. It is almost as if the Church, in the person of her sacred ministers, arriving in the place of divine worship, peers into the sanctuary and there already beholds the majesty of God. And so the Church sings at the very beginning of today's Mass, Adorate Deum, adore God. And then, Omnis Angeli Eus. The Church, in this valley of tears, the Church militant, the Pilgrim Church, is painfully aware of the inadequacy of her means. She would adore God worthily, but to do this, she knows that she must summon the participation of the angelic choirs. It is not enough that men alone should draw God. The divine plan is that men should adore with the angels. And so today's intro, it in some way, sends us to that magnificent conclusion of the preface of every Mass. Christ our Lord, through whom the angels praise thy majesty, the dominions worship it, the powers stand in awe, the 
heavens and the heavenly hosts and the blessed seraphim joined together in celebrating their joy with whom we pray thee join our voices also while we say with lowly praise sanctus 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 and having thus introduced us into today's holy mass we come to the collect and the collect of this fourth sunday after epiphany is i say it of so many collects but i'm obliged to say it again a little masterpiece not only do we pray by means of this collect but we learn to pray through it and so what did we say in the collect oh god qui nos in tantis perigulis constitutos who knowest us to be set in the midst of dangers so great you you can you can see you can almost hear in this first phrase of the collect in allusion to the gospel of today's mass it's all related it's like those pictures in children's books you have to connect the dots and then the image emerges oh god who knowest us to be set in the midst of dangers so great that by reason of the frailty of our nature the immensity of god's power god omnipotent on the one hand the poverty the frailty of man on the other again the collect sends us to the gospel the frailty of the apostles who were more than disconcerted they were terrified and made aware of their utter helplessness and so the cry from the heart save us lord we're going down and the collect goes on to say pro humanis fragilitate non posse subsistere oh the, the missile translation more or less gets it by reason of the frailty of our nature we cannot always withstand but there's another meaning to subsistere is it there dom chrysostom I would like to translate it who by reason that by reason of the frailty of our nature we cannot find a sure footing and again i think of the gospel the poor apostles how could they find a sure footing in this boat being tossed by the winds and the wave that's what it means Probumana shis fragilitate non posse subsistere. We, we can't even stand up. We're shaken. We can't find a sure footing. And then comes the petition of the comment. And herein we find one of the great constants of the prayer of the Roman Rite. Da nobis salutem mentis et corpus. Grant to us health 
of mind and body. People are often very taken with healing prayer, which is a gift in the church, certainly a gift that we see in the lives of so many saints. And yet, the primary and indispensable expression of prayer for healing is in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and in the Divine Office and in the other sacraments. For in all of these rites of the Church, we make prayers for healing of mind and body. These are not mere words. This is not a kind of formula that's tossed off. This is an efficacious prayer. This is a prayer charged with power. This is a prayer stirred up in the church by the Holy Ghost. Because it is a prayer that God is just waiting to answer. Otherwise it would not be in the liturgy of the church. And so we say, grant to us health of mind and body, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, and for all whom we know to be suffering, or weak, or infirm, or in any way wounded or broken. And the Collect concludes that being helped by thee, we may overcome the things which we suffer for our sins. Now, this final phrase of the collect of the fourth Sunday after Epiphany requires more than passing attention. A quick reading might suggest that the reference is to the punishment that God in his justice, meets out the chastisements by which he would bring us poor sinners back to himself. But when we look closely at the last phrase of this call, we see something else. Because, ut eaque probegatis nostris patimur, te adjuvante vincamus. The idea is that sin, all sin and every sin, brings with it suffering. The consequences of sin, not in terms of a divine punishment, but the deterioration caused by sin. One sin after another becomes what we call vice. That is the deterioration that comes from repeated sin. And it is a terrible thing to suffer the consequences of our sins. Because by sinning habitually, one is more easily given over to sin. And it sometimes happens that a man in the grip of sin sees no way out. 
Save us, Lord, save me, Lord, for I'm going down. And so the collect asks that we may overcome the things which we suffer for our sins. Te adjuvante, always that reliance on grace, by thy help, vincamus. It ends with a glorious word, vincamus. Uh, we may uh, emerge victorious. And you know well what St. Paul says in the 8th chapter of the Epistle to the Romans. When he speaks of the trials and sufferings that come upon those who belong to Christ, he says, yet in all these things are we conquerors because of him who hath loved us. So all of this is contained in today's Mass and even more. The essential thing is that we fix our eyes today on the countenance of Christ. Christ who stands manifesting his divinity in the frail, wind-tossed bark of Peter. And even as we say, Lord, save us for we are going down, we are going down not to the bottom of the sea, but to the, the very bottom of ourselves, the most profound act of adoration. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.